We're on a mission from God. And now, something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky. I've got my elephant in the fridge. <laughs> uh, last week's joke is so good, we're telling it again, <laughs> referencing folks. It <laughs> referencing more. it once more. <laughs> I'm also pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and Trinity Lutheran Church, uh, respectively in New Athens and Darmstadt. <laughs> You're showing off. You get two churches. I just <laughs> no. got one. That's right. You're rubbing it in. <laughs> Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. But you're ministering, you've got a school that you're associated with, you've got Nepalese, so that's like having two churches. You've got lots of people to care yeah, for. Yeah, okay. we got a lot of people. Yeah. 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 But you're on the Kiss Cascia. <laughs> you've got the flying carp. You've got that's the right. Casey's with the 24-hour ice cream. Right. Ted Drew's closes at a certain time. What time does Ted Drew's close, by the way? Yeah, I, I think 11, something Yeah, like I don't think, yeah. think. You're there right until the last minute. <laughs> I've heard the stories how they have to kick you out. <laughs> Hanging around. The pastor's loitering around here again. <laughs> so, so real quick, real quick, again, before we get too far off uh, uh, um, of our Minnesota trip, we, we shared with you the joke that we got from the Minnesota grandkids. But here's something from the pastor up in Minnesota, up in Chaska, Minnesota. So have you ever been to a state fair? I have. The Nebraska State Fair. Okay. A number of times. So, yeah. so in the state fair in Nebraska, do they put everything on a stick? Oh, you bet they do. <laughs> okay. So what kind of things can you get on a stick at the Nebraska oh, State Fair? Oh, boy. Well, you, you got your standard corn dogs, but then corn you got dogs. like the, the fried things. I mean, you got like the fried uh, you know, Snickers bar and things oh, like that. You and you got your... Uh, uh, cheesecake on a stick, I cheesecake believe, if I remember okay. right. Yeah, there's quite a few so, items so, on a so, stick. So, so here's something I bet you didn't find in Nebraska. They, they had walleye on a stick. Whoa! Yeah, how about that? Oh, my goodness. Fish on a stick. Fish on a stick. <laughs> uh, hot dish, which is a Minnesota favorite. On a stick? On a stick. How do you get I, that on I a stick? I don't know, but they had it. They had it. They actually had beer on a stick, but I think that was a joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure how you'd pull beer on a stick A beersicle, maybe? I, I don't know. But the hot dish thing did amaze you because they got like a little meat and a little bread and they stick it on a stick and yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, anytime I get something on the stick like that, the fair, I, you know, I always find it, it's not that great. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's not terrible either though. It's, it's, no. it's, it's fair. And where else? It's fair, uh, It's John. fair food. <laughs> it's fair food. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that's Sunday, uh, the opening weekend of the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, the pastor holds up a processional cross and he says, Love on a stick. And I thought, that's kind of cool. There you go. Yeah, that's the ultimate. There you go. Yeah, God's love on a stick, the cross of Jesus Christ. (laughs) So there you go. Anyway, take it for what you want. I thought it was kind of cute on It's a fair sermon illustration. It's a fair sermon illustration. (laughs) Okay. 
All right, this is Wrestling with the Basics. Did we say that? Yeah, you probably guessed that okay. already. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Hold it. We haven't done this for a while. We need to do this, especially in light of what we just said. Oh, come on. Why is it going there? Where there is. All right, now. There's no time for foolishness. All right, so yesterday, last week, Saturday, something, I don't remember, we were doing hypocrite, and you had this thing about the Pharisees, and they were all yeah. upset because Jesus' disciples didn't follow the tradition of the elders. They didn't wash their hands. Yes. Jesus said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Was there anything else that you wanted to say about well, that, Well, we talked, too, about how they were hypocrite is play acting. It, yeah. it comes from, its its root of that word is from the theater, where they someone would act on stage like someone they're really not. And when you're an yeah. actor, that's a good thing, but when you're a Christian, that's not a good thing, right? Uh, and and Jesus calls the Pharisees on it, but just that recognition again that 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 certainly happens uh, today too. And boy, that becomes a barrier to when it happens in the church. That becomes a yeah. barrier for some people. Uh, I referenced a study where that was the second uh, the reason it was the most second most popular reason. I'm probably not wearing the right for people not going to church or staying away from the church is because they view it as We're not as doing family feud here, are we? Survey no. <laughs> says, says yes, you know. okay. So uh, to, to keep that in mind and and the solution to that is I think uh like we said last week really the only solution is repentance. Right. Um because maybe we don't deal with um, the issue of, of like the Pharisees, maybe with uh, keeping all these rules and regulations and, and wanting other people to see it so we look pious. But maybe there are other things that, that we struggle with. Maybe things that as a church we condemn, like the, the love of money or uh, lust or all sorts of different things. And yet, even though we're condemning them, we find ourselves doing yeah. them. And, and of, of course we do because we're sinners. And But the thing is not to hide that, but to to be honest about to repent it, uh, to come before someone we've sinned and to come to them in repentance and, and confess that sin. And obviously before God uh, in repentance, there was a, there's a cartoon we, we had referenced last week too. you know, some of this happening in the Roman Catholic church and some of the abuse taking place. And, um, there was but one again to emphasize, as you said last week, every church. Wrestles oh my with this. goodness. Yes. Even, even the early Christians wrestled yes. with this. You know, you had the people saying they were giving all this money to the church and they really weren't, you know, yeah. so it's, it's a problem because you got a, you got an assembly of sinners. Now, if we had a bunch of perfect people, then you wouldn't have it. But no, there's nobody in the church that isn't a sinner. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. So there's this, this, cartoon in, in the editorial page i think it was kind of poignant where it's this confessional booth and there's a priest and there's a child yeah. and the the instead of the child confession the priest the priest's confession the child says yeah. forgive me child for i've sinned and boy that's that's pretty striking but the, the point being made like you just said john whether you're a priest in the catholic church a pastor in the lutheran church whoever you are again repentance is is the key there to, to recognize that yeah we are as we said last week from First John chapter one, uh, all of us, you know, if we if we say without sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. We're we're play acting. We're being hypocritical, uh, but we confess our sins. And God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and you know, I think that's what what offends people so much with whole this this thing about the abuse within the Roman Church. Uh, the abuse, of course, in itself is tragic. Yes, but the fact that they tried to cover it up, they tried to hide it. Yeah. Which yeah. is what I understand. I understand because that's what we do. That's oh, what we yeah. do too. When we yeah. sin, we don't 
But but no, no, that's the whole thing. Better to bring it out in the open. Better to let the people know we are not an assembly of perfect people. We are an assembly of people of, of who have weaknesses and failings, and we welcome all others who have weaknesses and failings to come together with us and to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ who forgives us. And in that forgiveness changes us, too. I, I think we really do try to do better, although the sin still remains. What? Apostle Paul doesn't say, I used to be the greatest sinner, but he says, yeah, I am. I'm still the greatest sinner. All these things are still in my flesh that always were before. Yeah. And I, I think as we gather together as sinners, then the reason we're gathering together to be with one another, the body of Christ, but also to focus on Christ himself yeah. and to have that assurance that, well, all of us are hypocrites, no matter what denominations we are, or even if we're an atheist, whoever we are, all of us sin. But but wait, there's someone who's different. God, Jesus Christ, his son, who is not a hypocrite. He always says what he does. You know, he does what he oh, says, Oh, that's a rather. good point. That's and, right. And that's so important. His lips do match his heart. Yeah, and he's the only one. So when, when Jesus goes to the cross and he's dying and shedding his blood, he's not play-acting, okay? No. He's not doing that to gain applause or recognition or anything else. Yeah, he's look how doing good that. I am. Yeah, he's doing it to, to win our forgiveness. And so what he says, he does. When he says, this is my body, this is my blood given and shed for you, you can be confident it is. Uh, Jesus does what he says. He's the only one who does it perfectly. And that's why we gather together, too, to receive the forgiveness that that, that one free of hypocrisy has won for us. Oh, I like that thought, Matt. Yeah, that's the thing. We we are hypocrites. We all are. Sometimes we don't really mean what we say. But you're right. The Lord Jesus Christ always, always means what he says. Uh, it occurs to me that one of the things that sometimes as a Lutheran church in Missouri synod we, we come across as being hypocritical is the fact that we don't have open communion. And I think sometimes people may come to our church and we say, well, uh, the supper here is only for our members. And they, oh, well, you think we're better. You think you're better than we are. And sad to say, maybe sometimes <laughs> because we're sinful people, we, we leave that impression. But But actually, if you think about it, if you understand what Jesus says, this is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. No, obviously, anybody that comes to the Lord's Supper doesn't think they're better than others, because that's why they're coming to the Lord's Supper, precisely because, no, no, we, we're we not better than anybody. Like the Apostle Paul, we're, we're the worst of sinners, and that's why we're here. That's why we've gathered at the table, because we want to hear that non-hypocritical word of Jesus, that, no, this is for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Yes. God God help us all remember that when we go to the Supper. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's for yeah. sinners. Yeah. yeah. So anything else, Matt, on that subject? Well, I just, and having been forgiven at the supper then, yeah. and having been forgiven because of Christ, uh, we don't pretend to be something we're not. But instead, yeah. we, we live as people who we really are and who we really are, are children of God. <laughs> so so live, live your life like that. And, and I think we probably would draw a lot more people to the church if we'd realize, not that we should go out and be evil and wicked. No, that that won't draw people to the church either. No, of course no, not. No, who wants to belong to that church that's full of mean and nasty people? But but I think if we just let people know, no, we are weak, we're failing people, we have we have doubts, we struggle with all of these things. And, and like you say, that's why we're there, that's why we're going. And come and join us then if you're... Anything like that. If you've got weaknesses and struggles and doubts too, that's come and join us and let's hear. I, I, boy, I like that inside, Matt. I just, that, yeah, he's not hypocritical. He means what he says when he says, I love you and I die for you and I forgive you. Yeah, yeah for every one of us. Yeah, so. So what we'd like to do with the, the rest of our time, or at least get started, because I've got a story that, that I found interesting, uh, the story of the widow at Zarephath. All you right, very that good. Story in, yeah, in sure. Mark, uh, uh, what is it, not Mark? <laughs> That's what we were doing here. First Kings chapter 17. 
So if you want to start reading there at verse 8. Sure. At verse 8. All right, First Kings 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Right, and we're talking about Elijah, Elijah if I remember yeah. right. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Boy, oh boy. Uh, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her she she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord as spoken by Elijah. So, so a classic, classic Old Testament story. Uh, does this come up at all in the three-year lectionary? I don't remember ever preaching on this one. We uh, I can't think of it. No. Have you ever? You don't. Okay. Uh, well, it is in the one-year lectionary, and and, and uh, honestly, this summer we've been doing all Old Testament lessons, and some of them I really didn't like. <laughs> well, there was some obscure stuff from Isaiah, and then some strange stuff from Proverbs. You're but, stretching yourself. Yeah, it's well, good. But I love stories. I love stories like this. Do you know why I love stories like this, man? Why do you love stories like this, Chuck? Because there's food? <laughs> it's not bacon. It's not It's bacon. not on a stick. No. <laughs> But it is. It might have been, though. I could you get a bread on a stick. I guess you could, but she was <laughs> gathering sticks. <laughs> I mean, Why do you think she was gathering the sticks? Put her food on it. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, you've given such a profound insight to this text. She was gathering sticks don't and you, put the food don't on Don't you them. wish you could re-preach that sermon now? <laughs> I do. I really do. Anyway, the reason I like it, because it's my story, man. It happens to me all the time. And, of course, your reaction is going to be, What? <laughs> But just walk, I'll walk this through real, okay. real quickly here. The similarities that we have with the widow of Zarephath. All right. Similarity number one, Matt, is she's in need, right? Oh, yeah, to, big to, time. She's about ready to starve. Yeah, yeah got enough for one, one meal. Maybe, maybe we're needs, needs aren't that great, but I think everybody knows what it's like to be in need. Uh, um, now, now you're a well-established pastor there at Ascension. What was life when you were you're younger, though? Did you ever have a time when you really were just kind of living paycheck to paycheck when you were like a SEM student or anything? <laughs> when Lisa and I got married, we, we moved to Nebraska, and I didn't even have a job. Oh. <laughs> Looking back, like, I can't believe her parents let me do that. <laughs> Really? Yeah, so she we, just packed up and married and moved to Nebraska? Yeah, we moved to Nebraska. We lived in an apartment in a basement of someone's house. And, yeah. Uh, our bedroom didn't even have any windows. <laughs> it was an interior room. That's probably against code, isn't it? Well, I don't even think so. you can live know. in a place. I... Well, we survived. We, we lived in an upstairs apartment in, in Springfield, Illinois, right by where they switched the railroad tracks, <laughs> cars. 
And, and yeah. so our our our, our uh, kitchen table would literally vibrate across oh, the floor. It would be in a different spot when we'd get up in the morning from the vibrations. From so so everyone knows that we have times when we and maybe maybe there's been times when literally uh, you weren't sure where your next meal was going to come from. So that's one thing we have in common with the widow of Seraphith. See, so this is our story. We know what it is to be in need. Uh, here's the other thing though that strikes me. We don't really deserve God's help. That That's maybe the thing that's hard for us to grasp. But uh, that's the key. This was a widow from where, Matt? Zarephath. And what does that mean, Matt? She was not she a was, what? She was not a Jew, it appears, right? Yeah. 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 yeah and it emphasizes that twice in the text. Yeah. Zarephath, Sidon. Uh, Jesus himself picks up the story and, 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 and talking to people, to hypocrites, like you were talking about, who thought we're Jewish people. That means God loves us because we're Jewish people. And he says, well, is that so? So then how is it that he didn't send Elijah to any of the widows? There were plenty of widows in Israel, but he didn't go to any uh, a widow in Israel, but he went to the widow of Zarephath. Mm-hmm. See, the pagan woman. In fact, did you catch what she says to Elijah? Oh, where, where is that in that, Matt? Uh, as the Lord, your, your God. God. Yeah, I don't worship this God. You, you worship this God. So she is totally undeserving. Uh, uh, and Matt, you know, it just tickles me because you just said, how do Lutherans begin their church service? You, you've been talking about this week and last week. How do we begin our church service? By doing what? Confess- confession. Yeah, yeah, confession, absolution. Sure. It's essentially saying we're not... We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Yeah, yeah. Of course, see, we don't really, maybe we're hypocrites. Oh, man, now you've made me uncomfortable. Maybe I said that with my lips, but I didn't mean it with my Uh, heart. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Because obviously then we're not worthy, right? If we're sinners, poor, miserable sinners, then why should God have anything to do with us? All right, so number one. Indeed. Number two, we don't deserve God's help. Not worthy. I bet you can guess what number three is that we have in common with the widow of Zerephus. What does God do? Well, he he makes a promise, yeah, through Elijah, yeah, and then he provides for, and him. he provides for, yeah, him. yeah. Now, of course, here's the problem. Here's why people would say this is not my story, because God does not give me the magical jar or the magical jug <laughs> that never goes. You have to keep going to all these. Why? What's the deal with that? <laughs> That's exactly the point, right? You got to get a job. You got to work. What did you end up doing in Nebraska then? If you went up there without a job. Well, <laughs> you just lived off your wife. Is no, that what you're going to tell us? No, she was a full-time student. Oh, I was okay. the, the breadwinner, yeah. No, I find a job eventually. Well, what did you survive. do? What did you do? Well, I did a couple different things. So okay. I, I worked at a grocery store, I drove a school bus, and then... <laughs> really? Yeah, and then I uh, uh, got connected to a Lutheran church and, and worked under contract with them. That was pretty awesome to, to have that experience and uh, to be able to do that and even get paid for doing it. Now, isn't that incredible? So I went to the district office and said, hey, I just graduated from the pre-sum program. Does, yeah. does anyone need any help? And two churches contacted me and uh, ended up working with the one the rest of that year. So it was almost like you had a jar and a, a, a whatever, what's a jug, a jar to jug that, that kept getting filled. Yeah, and I, I wasn't expecting that. I was just kind of, you know, thinking, well, I'll volunteer somewhere and might as well make the most of my time before I yeah. head to the seminary. And um, it just got provided. And then, then you got paid for it. And we got paid for it. What you were going to do for free. Yeah. All right, so this is our point. The, the fact that we think that we have to work and toil and put in our time and go buy the groceries, that that's how we are provided for, that's because we are still sinners, as you said earlier, we should confess and repent of. Because in our sinful flesh, we can't see the truth that God is miraculously providing for us day in and day out. And I think when you get older and you look back on situations like that, you realize, wow, I wasn't planning on working at those churches, but... 
Wow, there they were. And they actually wanted to pay me. Uh, yeah, seriously, people, honestly, whatever you have, it is because God in his grace and mercy is giving it to you. Now, here's the next thing. And this doesn't come from me. It comes from Ambrose. So I won't ask you if you see this. Yes, Ambrose, the church father, points out, who, who was it that actually provided for the widow? You know who it was that provided for the widow and for her son and for uh, uh, Elijah? You know who was it that provided for? Well, ultimately God, right? Yeah, yeah but better right. than God. Ambrose. It's, it's Jesus. Oh, okay. And I said, well, Ambrose, because, you know, he was over at the house. We were having, we were having brats and a beer. And, and, and Ambrose, well, how do you say it's Jesus? How do you know it's Jesus that's doing this? And Ambrose says, well, uh, John, take a look at what Elijah says to the woman there in verse 14. Okay, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And you were very wise earlier to point out that God doesn't just provide for her first, he promises. Man, I missed that on my sermon. Now I got to go back and redo that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> before cool. he does it, he makes a promise. Yeah, yeah, that's a very great insight, Matt. But who makes the promise? The Lord, the God of Israel. <laughs> and Ambrose says, well, who is the Lord? What did the Apostle Paul say? Someday will come when every knee will bow and every voice proclaim that Jesus, Jesus Christ is Lord. Is Lord. And I thought, well, thank you, Ambrose. I never thought about that. It's Jesus who is providing for this widow. And it is Jesus who's providing for you and me today. And in fact, I'd never thought about that. Every single wondrous miracle that happens, whether it be the division of the Red Sea or the feeding of the people with manna or quail, you name it, that's Jesus that was doing that back there in the Old Testament. And all those things are recorded so that you and I would know that Jesus is going to do the same things for you and me today. Here's the rub, though. Here's the rub, man. There's always a rub. There's always a rub. So you look at this story and you say, yeah, but that's not my story. This is a fairy tale story that ends with Elijah and the widow and her son all living happily ever with the multiplying wheat and <laughs> and whatever. And that ain't our story, is it, Matt? Wait, no. not so fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but, I'm, I'm glad but, for you. I'm glad. Go ahead. But the next, ahead. the next part of the story, though. Yeah, well, see, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, okay, okay. In, in, in our story, often things do not work out right. Uh, in fact, we were supposed to pick up my uh, son and daughter-in-law. We were excited about having a nice morning together with them. They're flying in from Minnesota. We couldn't get across a stupid bridge. The traffic was not just slow, it was at a standstill. And so we're an hour and 15 minutes late to pick them up. You know, so now we're rushing to have breakfast, rushing to get over here, and we were going to spend a nice relax. So a lot of times things don't work out the way we want them to work out, okay? And then, of course, the really biggest, bigger problem, as you're kind of alluding to in the rest of the story, is no matter how things go well for us now, sooner or later, we die and our loved ones die. And it's almost like, well, God, you were taking care of us day in and day out. And then when we really, really needed you, then you weren't there. What's that all about? Uh, but as you alluded, that actually is picked up in the rest of the story, isn't it? It's picked up in the rest of the story. So if you don't mind, what I would like to do, Matt, is to come back to this story uh, when we meet next Saturday 
and and talk about it. Well, what happens when things don't work out the way you want to work out? Does that mean that God has abandoned you? Does that mean that God isn't there? Is is you just despair and lose all hope, or is there more? Is there more to the story, as yeah. they say? Good, let's do it. So we've, okay. we've all these commonalities with this widow and. Maybe we have one more thing coming with her, too, as we press on to the rest of the story. And and you know what's crazy? Uh, because uh, we're doing this one-year lectionary, uh, and I'm doing it all in the Old Testament. And this is exactly what the one-year lectionary did. So so the week that I preached on this, it had the story about Elijah and the widow. Mm-hmm. And then guess what is the next test, the Old Testament lesson the very next week? The continuation of the widow's and story? Elijah, with, okay. With, with, okay. Well, tell them what happens in the right continuation of the well, story. Well, like you said, there's... Death, yep. yeah. Yep. So the uh, the widow's son uh, dies. Yeah, and, and she says, "What did you come here then? Just to bring to remembrance my sin that yeah. my son might die?" Yeah. Okay. So maybe you felt that way. I gotta press this. Here we go. There. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna wrestle with that. We'll wrestle with that next week. Then okay. what happens when it seems like God hasn't taken care of us? Um, well, God's blessings to all of you. This has been yeah. Wrestling with the Basics.